0: When is the last time you encountered a misunderstanding? Misunderstandings happen all the time. I consider uh, living with teenagers, and I remember when I first heard about flexing, and I thought you had to be really muscular to flex, but they meant something very different by flexing. I consider all the different things that happen uh, between men and women and misunderstandings, spouses, uh, children again, and their parents, and I came across some very famous misunderstandings. Uh, For example, I don't know how many of you have ever been to Cancun um, or uh, the Yucatan Peninsula. Raise a hands if you've ever been there, heard about it. Maybe, how about who wants to go there right now, especially after walking into church today? Holy cow. Um, I I heard why the Yucatan Peninsula was named this way. When the Spanish explorers got there and the Mayans were there, they kept asking the question, uh, what is this country, what is this country? And all they kept hearing was, Yucatan, Yucatan, Yucatan. Do you know what they're actually saying? I don't understand you. (laughs) So the Yucatan Peninsula is named the I Don't Understand You Peninsula, thank you, Mayans. I came across some others. Um, uh, There was a time where the U.S. had to build a fort because things with the British were pretty bad. And so they went to build what looks like a fine fort. There's only one problem. They built it in Canada and so it's not finished uh, because they didn't get their borders right, and it's kind of counterproductive to build another country, your own fort. Uh, Perhaps famously in pop culture, um, I don't know if you remember Steve Harvey's Mishap. It made news. Um, He was the announcer for a Miss Universe pageant and in a misunderstanding gives it to Miss Columbia just so that in the next day has to give it to Miss Philippines because that was the actual winner. Oh, my goodness. What a bad misunderstanding. So, when's the last time you encountered a misunderstanding? I, I, I think of uh, just this past week, um, I was talking to my, not, my daughter, Nadia, because it's report card time. Parents, do you know report card time? And she reports, hey, Dad, I did really good, you know, but there is a B there." there. And, and so then, you know, from that discussion, we continue on with parenting advice in the Bloomer household, which is this, as long as you do your best... As long as you're disciplined, as long as you don't rush through homework, you know, um, that's all we ask of you. Do your best. And, and you know, some subjects are going to be hard, like chemistry and physics and biology, which were my B's, by the way, Nadia. But then I, uh, I found out days later that uh, she was looking at the report card a certain way that made sense, you know, in, in her mind. But uh, what actually happened in the third quarter is she was looking at the second quarter's grade. So she had actually turned a B plus into an A minus. And by the way, parents, that's a completely different discussion. We go from do your best to like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, like, all A's, that's great. Hey, way to go. Way to, way to pull that B to an A. a boy. a gal. Way to go. Misunderstandings, they're, they're so common in a marriage. And I don't know the last time that you've been trying to communicate uh, with someone. And I, I found this, that a single moment of misunderstanding can be so poisonous, it can make us forget many beautiful moments we spend together. Miscommunication is usually at the core of many conflicts, right? Or this one, I'm responsible for what I say. I'm not responsible for what you understand. Ooh, that's a dig, isn't it? Shots fired. I bring this uh, idea up because when it comes to the spiritual world and the things of God, the goal for understanding and the goal for clarity is huge, For if you get what God is actually saying, there is tremendous power, tremendous help when you understand. Jesus, he put it this way. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you, can you say that word? And we experience this all the time. When we hear that he is with us, when we hear that he is still in control, When we hear that as he dies, he forgives each and every one, every sin. Wonderful truths that set us free. But in the same section, Jesus warns us of someone who wants to create misunderstandings. Of spiritual warfare going on, and he warns us about the devil. Look at these words in the same section. Why is my language not clear to you? Why aren't you getting it? We heard that we need the spirit from the first lesson, but he goes on, because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And something I recognize is that when the truth gets muddied, especially spiritually, people get hurt when the truth gets muddied over what God wants us to do and where he doesn't want us to go, and, and we now think maybe more thoughts of the world rather than the thoughts of our God, people get hurt. When a different message comes in for our salvation, a message that combines the teachings of Jesus with our own thoughts and ideas, Jesus did his part, but you do your part, and together you're saved, people get hurt. And they wonder, how could I ever be good enough if something is up to me? And so we need clarity when it comes to spiritual teaching. We need the truth that will set us free. Which is why we're in this series called Jesus Is. Because there's a lot of different truths about Jesus out there. That maybe he's just a great man and maybe he's just a great teacher, a a world leader, an influencer. But what we have found... What we have found is that he is Lord and Savior. And what we have seen through this series is that he's the only one who has the right to be Lord and Savior. And I want to welcome you if you're online or new to this place. I don't know your experience with Jesus, but we want to make clear he is so much more than a great man. And as we'll see today, he is the King of Kings. But it's Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. And the reason I bring up the idea of misunderstanding is because when it comes to this Sunday, why the people were praising and what they wanted Jesus to do was incredibly different than who he was and what he came to do. In fact, something that I recognize is this, our first takeaway, that Jesus as king is often misunderstood. We misappropriate what he wants to reign over as they did, as we'll talk about. We misunderstand what he promises to do in our lives versus what we want him to do. And and so there's always misunderstanding when it comes to the concept of king. And so as we look at Palm Sunday, we're going to see exactly what kind of king he is. All right? As we get into our account, I'm going to invite you to stand as we hear from Luke chapter 19, uh, the Palm Sunday account. Why are you untying the colt? And they replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And from other accounts, we know they also did palm branches. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But I tell you, he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The powerful words of God. Before you sit down, could you turn to your neighbor and say, He's worthy of all praise. He's worthy of all praise. Please be seated. I was wondering, what would it take for you to feel completely at peace? Another way of saying it, what would it be like to have complete freedom? There's not a worry or care in your mind. Um, You are just completely at peace. Now, when it comes to that answer, I think during our COVID era, many are saying, well, when COVID is done, I'm going to have a better sense of peace. When it comes to that answer, if it's not COVID, it might be another bodily circumstance. You know, I'd be at peace if I never had to worry about this when it comes to my body. For some other people, they look at finances and say, you know what, if I just had this much in the bank, I could finally be at peace, wouldn't have to worry about the budget, that would create peace. Or maybe another, if I knew what the future brought. If I knew what was going to happen to my kids, what's going to happen when I go to college, if I knew how it all worked out then, then I could be at complete peace. I bring up this discussion because on Palm Sunday, the people of Jesus' day had something that they thought would bring them peace. You know what it was? New government. Now, I know it's very hard for us to relate to that idea, Of the idea that there's going to be a new government that brings us a better sense of peace. I know as Americans that's just totally unrelatable. Sarcasm, sarcasm. But that's what they were convinced of. If the Caesar was gone and Jesus, you were ruling, then we would be entitled for peace. For on Palm Sunday, we know the reasons that they're praising Jesus. Look why they praise him. It says, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began joyfully praising God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Now, days before, Jesus had done one of his greatest miracles. There's a man named Lazarus who was dead for four days. And by saying the words, Lazarus, come out, a man who was dead came back to life. Incredible. And people on this crowd had been there on that day. And they're thinking, Jesus, if you can say, Lazarus, come out, you can say, Caesar, be gone. And we can have a a new era of predominance as the Jewish nation. We can have a new era of peace for our people. The only problem is Jesus wasn't coming to bring that kind of peace. And Jesus wasn't coming to be that kind of king. But it makes me wonder if we still do the same thing. That we hear Jesus is king, and Jesus, I know exactly what I want you to be king over. Jesus, you're king, so bring about a Christian United States. Let us be a Christian nation, because you're king. Jesus, you're king. And so make it that my loved one doesn't get sick and doesn't die. You're king, Jesus, do that. Jesus, you're king, so make this circumstance in my life, whether it be with a relationship, whether it be with finances, or whether it be with my future, make it work out. After all, you're king. The only problem is he doesn't promise to be that kind of king. And so here's the takeaway. If we misunderstand what Jesus promises as king, we miss out on peace if you have a misrepresentation of what Jesus said he's going to do, you're going to be disappointed when he doesn't do it. And you might even question his authority and his power. Now, to talk about this further, uh, we had our tea night last night, and we were trying to convince uh, our young people that they don't have to be anyone else, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. They are made on purpose for a purpose. What we were trying to say is you can be comfortable in your own skin, right? Because we know God planned and purposed you. Uh, It's a message of acceptance for who God made you to be. It's interesting as you grow up, you don't really get away from this idea of acceptance. As a pastor, I was going through certain lies that pastors believe. And one of the lies that pastors believe is that they can have everyone's approval that everyone will like everything that they do. It's just not possible. But we live in this era where we want acceptance so bad. I love these words from Lecrae, though. He says, if you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. Watch out. And so we teach others to accept themselves. You're fearfully, wonderfully made. It's a principle we want our young people to hold on to. But do we apply this principle to Jesus? Do we allow Jesus to be who Jesus says he is versus what we want him to be? Do we allow him to be the kind of king he says he is? You know, something I recognize is we all struggle with arrogance. And in our pride... We at times want God to make sense to us as if we were a judge over Him. God, I'll believe you as long as you explain why you allowed that to happen. God, I'll believe you as long as you tell me why this is in the Old Testament. God, I'll believe you as long as you come under my rule and my judgment. Is that not a great role reversal? Jesus Sits in judgment over us. Jesus does not need to explain himself to us. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And I recognize our need as a society to humble ourselves and let him be who he says he is. Regardless of the world's or even sometimes our opinion over it. Because who he is? Far grander than what we'd call him. If you're taking notes, Jesus is an eternal spiritual king. He's eternal. When it comes to his work, if he was only working during the time of those people, he might have an era of predominance as he creates a new Jewish nation, but we would be lost in 2021 if he was only that earthly king back then. And so then he's more than a temporal king. He's an eternal king. And what is he as a spiritual king? This week is Holy Week and he will come to Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate will ask him if he's king and he says, yes, but my kingdom is not of this world. He would go on to explain his kingdom and say, the kingdom of God is within you. It is a kingdom of faith. And what we know is that this king did not come to throw off Caesar. He did not come to do whatever we please and whatever we choose he came to throw off sin and death and the devil. He threw off sin by giving his life on the cross so that every sin is forgiven. He released us from the grip of death as he rises on Easter and assures us he's the first fruits and we're going to follow. He has released us from the power of the devil by giving us his spirit. And by the Spirit, we can stand firm under any temptation, no matter what goes on, because Jesus is king, eternal and spiritual. Such a beautiful thing. And as we continue, I hope the lesson just wows you in a couple degrees. I want to tell you why he's a superior king. You know, it's interesting when it comes to leaders of this world, there is a dichotomy between what leaders promise to do and what they actually do, yes? I consider this when it comes to um, the Illinois-Wisconsin border, and I don't know if any of you heard what Foxconn, this company, had promised to do. In the Kenosha area, they promised to build a campus that was 20 million acres. They're going to bring 13,000 jobs And it was going to be one of the wonders of the world, some said. The eighth wonder of the world. That's how massive uh, this project was going to be and how it's going to affect the economy. Um, Because of this, if you've ever driven up to Wisconsin that way, they were building new highways. I don't know if you saw any of the road construction to make way for Foxconn. Uh, Because of this, I was actually asked to speak to the local churches to rally the troops to to get the harvest that is ripe. uh, To go and do mission work for those who are going to be moving into the area because Foxconn, is coming. The only problem? Never came. Uh, The place is a ghost town. You can see a picture. Uh, This is something that they've created. Uh, There's also a bunch of empty warehouses, but they didn't come close to doing what they said they were going to do. In fact, there was a news article that said they defaulted on every promise. Isn't this sometimes leadership in this world? even for good leaders who want to fulfill what they say they're going to do, it is hard to make it happen. But not King Jesus. You know, something that seems light but is not light at all is when Jesus tells his disciples to go get that donkey. And what Jesus is reminding us is this, that when it comes to King Jesus, he keeps his word. Because In the Old Testament, this was prophesied. And he was going to make sure that all prophecies came true, even one that might seem simple to us, like riding in on a donkey. What significance is that? doesn't matter. He kept his word. For the prophet Zechariah, he said this, "'Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and brings salvation. He is humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey.'" In fact, I was looking at a Bible reading plan and there was this passage about the Israelites taking over Canaan. And what God said to Joshua about a future event, he put it in past tense. When it came to taking over Ai, it says, about a future event, I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai. And you think of the bad English. It hasn't happened yet. I have delivered. But then a commentator said, you know what? God's word is so true that future events are in the past tense. Whatever he said, it's always like it happened because there's nothing that's going to stop it from coming true. And it made me think, what if you and I started living that way? What if when we moved somewhere, about a future move, we said, uh, remember when God worked that all out for me? Came through? About going off to college, remember when I made the grade? About having enough, remember when God provided for me? Because his promises we can put in past tense, even though if they're future realities. That's how good his word is. But there's more here about King Jesus. You know, it's interesting, in the Chicago area, there are a lot of people who deal with horses, uh, do you have anyone who loves horses in the area? Maybe rides horses? And I was learning a little bit about um, what it was to, like, train a horse or, or maybe break in a horse. I was learning about this concept called uh, lunging, uh, where they walk a horse around to get him used to uh, going in a certain direction. Um, and, and, and they teach him all sorts of things because something that you know about a horse is that they're not born and then the next day uh, a person sits on them. No, uh, it takes years to train a horse to get him ready for someone to, to sit and ride and go from there. There's the breaking in process. And when I consider that concept, I, I look at what Jesus picked for his ride. What do you pick? Now, now first of all, it's a donkey, which tips us off about um, what kind of king he is. He is that spiritual king. He's not an earthly king. If he was an earthly king, he would have picked a stallion, right? Uh, He would have picked something grand. But he picks a donkey, and not only a donkey, what kind of donkey? A colt, a foal, something that has not been trained. He's riding on one who should buck him off. He's riding on one who should not listen nor obey. And yet what King Jesus is, is he's king over all creation. And it's not just a donkey who had to obey, it was a sea. The sea could not buck the word of Jesus when he said, quiet, be still. And it's not just the sea who had to obey. It was demons. And demons approached Jesus and said, please don't hurt us. And it's not just demons, it's death. And death had no grip on Lazarus when he said, come out. It's not just death, it's the devil. For in the name of Jesus, he has to flee. King Jesus, king over all creation. But this concept leads to some confusion. Jesus, if you're king and you can just say the word, why haven't you said the word on this or that? Again, it's so easy to misunderstand what he wants to do with his rule and reign. And something that I think we esteem too much and esteem not enough, we esteem too much our earthly circumstances, we esteem too little our spiritual characteristics. I think one of the reasons, even though he could just say COVID be gone and problems be gone, one of the reasons he doesn't do that is because he's working something in you and I. And he values the state of our faith sometimes even more than what's going on in our life. I consider the words of First Peter that say, you have been grieved by various kinds of trials. King Jesus allows them, even though he could say gone. But Why? So that the character of your faith, which is of more value than gold, which passes away even though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He deals with a spiritual kingdom. And he's always looking for a spiritual increase. Which is why he might be acting the way he's acting, even though he has all power. But to close... There's a shocker on Palm Sunday. And it's something I confess that in my simple mind I didn't remember was part of the account until I was studying Luke's gospel. And the shocker is how Jesus reacts to the parade. And get your mind in the realm of a parade. I don't know if you've ever been in one, you can be in ours in September. When when you have a parade, especially for you, you are polite, you are winsome. Uh, you, you even have like a, a parade wave, right? You, you, you nod your head. You maybe hold a baby. Well, maybe not in the parade route, but you're, you're polite. You're happy, right? So, so Jesus, during this time, as everyone's praising him, he, he should be happy. He should be working on his parade wave, his his nodding and his smiling. And yet, the shocker on Palm Sunday is when the praise ceases. What they hear Jesus doing? For what he hears is this: that as he came near. He saw the city and wept. So, so you're telling me the music stops and, and Jesus is sobbing? I don't remember that from Palm Sunday. And the question is, why is he crying? I have some conjecture. Is he crying because like, he's so frustrated with the disciples who misunderstand him and they still don't get it and he's almost done? I don't think so. He's learned to put up with his disciples. Is he crying because the Pharisees are threatening him and they're going to kill him this week? The plans are going to come through? I don't think so. The Pharisees are actually pawns in his plan for salvation. Why is Jesus crying on Palm Sunday? If you, yes you, had only known on this day the things that would bring peace to you, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Is it possible that Jesus wants you to experience peace and freedom more than you desire it? Is it possible that he's come to give you true riches and at times you and I miss it? As he looked at the people And they want a lesser thing instead of the thing he offers. And I wonder in heaven, does does God ever cry because he sees us chasing after and I'll only have peace as long as I have a better car, a better house, more money, better health, better relationships, uh, something in the future. Man, if I only had that, then I'll have peace. And he cries because he holds out true riches that people don't want. And he weeps Because many people in that age and in this age will reject his offer. And what is surprising on this Palm Sunday is that King Jesus is weeping because there are those who are going to reject salvation's story. And the God who wanted all to be saved and so loved the world wanted this for no one. And so where does this land in our hearts? oh, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Change it. Help me to want what you want me to want. For what I find is this, that when Jesus is king in your life, when you accept him for who he says he is, you have the right to true peace. There was a sobering note I also noted. there's a story that Jesus tells right before Palm Sunday account. Look at Luke 19. It's really interesting. It's a story of a king who went out and uh, gave his servants jobs to do, but when he came back, he brought punishment for those who didn't want him to be king. And if you looked at the beginning of our, our lesson It started after Jesus had said this. And it makes us question, well, what did Jesus just say? And Jesus said, all who reject the king will themselves be rejected, will be killed. But he wants that for no one. And so may the Spirit work in our hearts. May the Spirit soften our hearts to let him rule and reign in whatever he says and whatever he does as he will still be king of kings and Lord of lords. Amen.